Bienvenue and welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing Merlin. Merlin with Doug Hennon. And our second nominated musical is the story of an aging wizard who hands on his magical powers to a promising newcomer. Good evening. Perhaps you've heard of me. I am Merlin. You know of my adventures with a certain headstrong king, but how little you know of me before that time when I was learning all of the powers that have made me so justly celebrated before enchanted glade surrounded by magical creatures before when I was just a boy. <laughs> it's about magic. <laughs> it's about wonder. <laughs> it's about takes your breath away, can't believe your eyes. Don't you love a surprise? That's <laughs> <laughs> simple, but effective. <laughs> so watch very closely. As time does advance And pay close attention Not merely a glance You'll be amazed, you'll see When you see amazing me It's about magic It's about wonder It's about takes your breath away Can't believe your eyes Don't you love a surprise? But first, how are we doing? Thank you for coming back after my week away. I'm back, you're back, I'm here, you're here, we're all here. Ever seen the movie Cruising, directed by William Friedkin? It's a nightmare! (laughs) Don't watch it, it's scary, Al Pacino. Very scary, very regressive. Didn't mean to bring that up right at the top of the show, but, you know, Benny, sometimes things just fall out of your mouth. Benny, thank you again for being here. This is your second week together. You got a little break right after your first official episode, but now you're in the thick of it, baby. We're in this together for the next few months. I don't foresee taking any more breaks, this season at least, until the holidays at least. So, Penny, you're stuck with me. You're stuck with me, and I'm stuck with you, and I couldn't be happier about it. So there. Uh, So, yes, Chris and I, uh, last weekend, while we were away, we were away at a wedding in Michigan, and you know, there are a lot of fun stories that I, there are a lot of fun stories, I should say, from that, from that time, that, that time in Michigan that I could be sharing with you. We went to a restaurant where the chairs had wheels. Uh, (laughs) That's a story I I could share, but I'm not going to share that story. I'm going to share a little moment uh, where we were, you know, riding along, driving along in Michigan, and we came across a theater known as the Twin City Players. And, oh, hmm. You'll have to excuse us. Uh, Apparently, even within the confines of this recording studio, we are not capable of escaping from the warpath cry of the air show. Chicago's air show? Yeah. That's for straight people. <laughs> I, I that, That's for straight people. I'm not convinced that any LGBTQ plus people are at the air show this weekend. Everyone is just sitting, everyone is just sitting at home waiting patiently for this episode of The Musical Man, that's correct. So I apologize in advance if you hear any more aircraft outside the walls of this studio. But I'm not going to keep bringing it up because that would be that would be exhausting. There's no need to make this a recurring bit where I bark about the planes. Bark, bark! The planes are too loud. Bark, bark! To recap, Chris and I in a car in Michigan, driving along. 
we spot a theater known as the Twin City Players, and they were advertising their upcoming September 6th through the 29th production of, what else? Mamma Mia, baby. That's right, and they had this big marquee sign, and on the marquee sign it said, One Bride, Three Dads. Let's hope there's a wide aisle. And I looked this up to see if they were maybe taking this from other promotional materials, but it seems like this is an original tagline for the show, and I honestly find that to be very charming. The Twin City Players, they are also doing Fun Home in June of 2020, so I would suggest going to TwinCityPlayers.org to find out more information if you're based out of Michigan or nearby. Check them out. Uh, Apparently, I'm just plugging theaters now, but uh, I feel like that's appropriate. It's a delightful little tagline they put up on their marquee billboard sign. You should go see it. It's Mamma Mia for crying out loud. How do you not want to see Mamma Mia? It's about a lady who have three dad. And she thinks to herself, oh, my dad. And they say, oh. And she's like, ah, that's okay. Everybody be dad. And all dad go, yay, Mamma Mia. We are all dad now. I'm dad. You are dad. And he's dad. Zaddy. So let's talk about Merlin, right? This week's subject is Merlin. Now, if one wishes to discuss the Broadway musical Merlin, we must not begin with the show facts. No, 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 no. I shall show you the show facts in short time, my friends. We must begin by discussing the magician Doug Henning. So let's just do that. Let's get into Doug Henning. Doug Henning was born in 1947 in the Fort Garry district of Winnipeg, Manitoba. He fell in love with magic at an early age and began performing at the age of 14, appearing at parties and on local Toronto television. But when he graduated from high school, Henning opted to take a break from magic, choosing instead to study psychology at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. It was there he met Ivan Reitman. Yes, that Ivan Reitman, who would go on to direct Ghostbusters and Twins? He directed more than a few films. Reitman cast Henning as Lone some polecat in a 1968 college production of Little Abner, a show I know next to nothing about and I refuse to learn anything about. Never going to be a subject for the snub club. I'm going to tell you that right now. Not interested in Little Abner. No thanks. Flash forward to 1973. Henning convinces his old buddy Ivan Reitman to produce Spellbound, which features music by Howard Shore and a book by David Cronenberg. Yeah, that David Cronenberg, who would go on to direct Videodrome, The Fly, and A History of Violence. Spellbound opens in 1973 at Toronto's Royal Alexandria Theatre, where it proceeds to break box office records. It's a hit! Everyone agrees to take Spellbound to Broadway after making a few tiny changes to the show. One tiny change they made, uh, drop Spellbound as a title and go with The Magic Show instead, right? It's okay, so small change, change in the title. Uh, and, and again, here's another small change, just ch- tiny change, just want to re- reiterate that. Replace Howard Shore and David Cronenberg, get him out of here, with Stephen Schwartz and Bob Randall so they can pen an entirely new score and book. Basically, keep Henning's magic tricks Dump everything else. Tiny changes, little changes. The Magic Show opens on Broadway in late May 1974 and proceeds to run for 1,920 performances. It's a hit. To this day, it's the 38th longest-running show in Broadway history, according to Wikipedia, sitting between South Pacific at number 37 and Aida at number 39. Granted, The Magic Show doesn't receive a Best Musical nomination when the Tonys roll around, but it does 
net a Best Director nom for Grover Dale and a Best Feature Actor in a Musical nom for the one and only Doug Henning. He's a hit! Audiences love Henning. I should mention the cast of The Magic Show also included Patti LuPone's older brother, Robert, and David Ogden Steers, who Disney aficionados will know as the voice of Cogsworth, Governor Ratcliffe, and Jumba, among many other characters. Flash forward to the early 1980s. Doug Henning and Barbara DeAngelis, who may or may not have been his wife at the time, it's a little unclear to me, come up with a brand new idea for a show. Henning's gonna go back to Broadway, Ivan Reitman's gonna direct, and the show is gonna be all about Merlin. But this isn't the gray-bearded bastard from your grandpa's storybooks. No, 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 no. This Merlin's a young Merlin. This Merlin's a sexy Merlin. This Merlin's gonna rock a curly-ass bombshell haircut and porn star mustache, the likes of which you've never seen. Yep, this is gonna be a big hit, just like the magic show. We're putting the lightning back in the bottle, baby. Was it a success? Well, we'll find out soon. But first, some more trivia about Doug Henning. His first TV special, Doug Henning's World of Magic, brought in an audience of over 50 million people, and it was hosted by Bill Cosby. Yikes! In total, Henning produced seven TV specials, all of which were presented under the World of Magic brand. Guest stars included Sandy Duncan, Marie Osmond, and Caitlyn Jenner, who at the time was still known to the public as Bruce. Did Henning also make an appearance on The Muppet Show, during which he taught Kermit's nephew Robin a magic trick? Yes, yes he did. Uh, Robin's adorable, I love Robin, but Henning kind of comes off like a creep in the clip, which is available on YouTube. I do not like the way he touches Robin. He sort of caresses him. Not, not liking it. Henning created special illusions for an Earth, Wind, and Fire tour in 1979, as well as Michael Jackson's 1984 Victory Tour. Yikes! In 1985, Henning and his second wife, Debbie Doliard, created a line of plush toys known as the Wonder Whims. And I'm telling you right now, do not look up the Wonder Whims because they are fucking creepy. They're pastel Cabbage Patch kids with Care Bear Cousin sidekicks. They have tiny hands and tiny faces and tiny little mouths. You don't want to step into their uncanny valley. Trust me. In 1986, Henning sold all of his illusions to David Copperfield so he could study transcendental meditation. In 1992, Henning ran for office in the United Kingdom's general election under the banner of the Natural Law Party. Out of the four candidates uh, running, (laughs) Henning placed fourth. This did not prevent him from running in Toronto's 93 federal election, where he placed sixth out of ten candidates. So, you know, an improvement over 92. Speaking of 92, and circling back to the transcendental meditation bed I sort of skirted past a moment ago, alongside the movement's founder, the the founder of transcendental meditation, I should say, that man's name being Maharashi Mahesh Yogi, Henning developed plans for a one-point five billion, this is in 1992, a 1.5 billion dollar project known as Maharishi Veda Land, which would have presumably been built near Ontario's Niagara Falls. According to Wikipedia, this attraction would have combined, quote, astonishing and unique visual and sensory effects, state-of-the-art 3D imagery, and ultra-high-tech entertainment technology with Henning's best and most original magic illusion secrets. Kind of sounds like Benny and Rent talking about his virtual 
studio, if you ask me. It was never built. Shocking. Okay, now that we have the complete rundown on Doug Henning, who died at the age of 52 as a result of liver cancer, but I didn't want to bring everybody down, uh, let's get the standard set of show facts we so rightly crave. Let's say it together. Show me the show facts. So... Merlin was a 1983 nominee of the Tony Award for Best Musical. It was, of course, conceived by Doug Henning and Barbara DeAngelis. It opened on Broadway on February 13, 1983 at the Mark Hellinger Theater and ran for 199 performances. So, to answer our earlier question... No, Merlin was not really a hit at all. The warning signs were clear. Critics were consistently turned away, so the official opening date of the show could be pushed back four times. Whereas most Broadway shows have a month-long preview process, Merlin logged a whopping 69 preview performances, charging audiences full ticket prices all the while. When Frank Rich of the New York Times decided to call shenanigans on this and publish his review, he openly questioned why the show refused to open when it seemed to be running smoothly. Don't fuck with Frank Rich, he'll come for your throat. Don't feel bad for Henning, though. Merlin may have flopped, but he was back on Broadway by 1984, one year later, with a solo show which sported the woefully on-brand title, Doug Henning and His World of Magic. Come up with a new name, Doug. I assume that had a limited run. It wasn't meant to run forever and ever and ever, so I'm sure the expectations with that were lower, more reasonable. The book of Merlin was written by Richard Levinson and William Link. The music was by Elmer Bernstein. The lyrics were by Don Black. The director was Ivan Reitman. I should note, it was during the show's lengthy preview process that Reitman stepped in as director, replacing Frank Dunlop. Up until this decision was made, Reitman had simply served as a co-producer. Clarifications are important. I'm the musical man. I, only, I can only give you the truth. The musical director of Merlin was David Spear, the choreographer's were Christopher Chadman and Billy Wilson. I also think there was some drama there. I think Billy Wilson came in to supplement Chadman's work when that really wasn't working out. Scenic design, Robin Wagner. Lighting design, Theron Musser. Sound design, Abe Jacob. Costume design, Taoni V. Aldredge. And the original Broadway cast included Doug Henning, Cheetah Rivera, George Lee Andrews, Nathan Lane, who was around 27 years old. It was his second Broadway role after Present Laughter in 1982. Christian Slater, who was 14 years old at the time, and Rebecca Wright. Tony nods. The show was nominated for Best Musical, Best Book of a Musical, Richard Levinson and William Link, Best Original Score, Elmer Bernstein and Don Black, Best Actress in a Musical, uh, and then I wrote Best Actress in a Musical. Oh, goodness. I gotta look this up now. Please, just bear with me. I'll play a little bit of Enya while we wait. I'm back. Did you enjoy the Enya? I'm sure you did. I love Enya. So Best Actress in a Musical. That nomination went to Cheetah Rivera. It's probably something I could have thought of in the moment, but there you go. Again, the musical man must bring you the truth at all possible opportunity. And finally, the show was nominated for Best Direction of a Musical. That went to Ivan Reitman. So in total, five nominations, zero awards at the end of the day. Womp womp. The plot. So this will likely be the shortest 
plot description I provide during the run of this podcast, so don't get too comfortable. From what I can tell based on the Tony's performance, Merlin is narrated by the titular sorcerer as he looks back on his life. Christian Slater plays Little Merlin. Doug Henning plays Sexy Ingenue Merlin. Excuse me while I shudder. And George Lee Andrews plays Old Merlin. Three Merlins for the price of one. What a deal. So yeah, basically all I know is that Merlin helps a young Arthur, also played by Christian Slater, so he's pulling double duty, take his rightful place on the throne, a quest that is circumvented at every turn by the evil queen, as played by Cheetah Rivera. That's the evil queen, got it? Not Morgana. Morgana is Merlin's traditional adversary, but this show ain't got no Morgana, so stop asking. The evil queen wants her son, Prince Fergus, Nathan Lane, to take the throne for himself, so, you know, conflict. And along the way, there's a ton of magic tricks you have to sit through. The evil queen brings a suit of samurai armor to life. You know how these things go. Exciting. And, uh, I assume in the end, the evil queen wins, and Merlin and Arthur are hung from a tree. Sure, why not? The show's book doesn't exist in any widely available form, so I get to make up my own ending. It's the noose for you, Merlin. When researching this week's subject, I watched Cheetah Rivera's appearance on the Merv Griffin show, for which she performs I Can Make It Happen. Merv Griffin mistakenly refers to the song as I Could Make It Happen. He also gives her a big ho right after his intro, which is very strange. She has since appeared in over 20 top Broadway productions, including Chicago, Guys and Dolls, Bye Bye Birdie, and her legendary performance as Anita in the classic West Side Story. Today, she can be seen as the Wicked Queen in the Doug Henning production of Merlin. It's at the uh, Mark Hellinger Theater here in New York, and she's going to sing and uh, dance for you. I could make it happen. Would you welcome Cheetah Rivera? I'll go into the song itself during our brief deconstruction of the score, but for now I want to focus on the interview Cheetah gives after her performance. Quick side tangent, there's no cast recording for this show, okay, in the book. As I said, the book isn't available, so those two key sources not available to me. So, Cheetah, this interview that she gives after her performance on the Merv Griffin show. My eyebrows shot up when Merv asks Cheetah to compare the Broadway of her early days, her salad days, to the Broadway of the 1980s, which seems like a super loaded question for what is otherwise a pretty fluffy conversation. Her answer is quite telling. Let's get that, Benny. Compare, if you will, for me, Cheetah, because you could do it. Broadway when you started to Broadway today. Oh, my. Oh. <laughs> well, there was more of it. You know, yeah. A lot, lot more shows. And the tickets were much less. And there, was, there was more of a chorus, you know, yeah. this, which I really love. I like a lot of dancers and a lot of singers. And the stories. There was an era when there was a lot more story. There is a lot of effect going on in the theater now. Right. Everybody likes to be blown away with effects. And it's a shame they don't like to listen as much as they want to be satisfied with shock. Yeah, yeah. I think our show, you really get your money's worth because it, it is theater and effect. You know, it yeah. is the effect of the magic and is the effect of the, of the theatrical people in the show. And we have an unbelievable cast. It's a sensational cast. Yeah. So um, I really think that it's, it's mostly effect nowadays, yeah. you know? And spectacular, too, with Just, all the new techniques and things yeah. they can do on a stage. But I, you know, it's nice. A nice balance is nice. But I like to hear people talk, and I like to 
I like words, you know, that words move me. Dialogue. You know, dialogue, relationships between people. Uh, we're getting a little far away from that. I don't want to forget Robin Cleaver and Robert Warner oh, and, and Gloria Schell and Fred, Fred C. Mann, the dancers that were with right, me. Right. They were wonderful. I got to hand it to Cheetah. She manages to get her truth in there while never expressly denigrating her current meal ticket, which is impressive. She's basically saying, oh, it's unfortunate how Broadway is falling apart, isn't it? But how about those dancers I just performed with, huh? Go see Merlin. I also watched a pair of TV commercials advertising the show, one of which is labeled Merlin Hard Sell during its countdown leader. You even get, there's a countdown leader leading up to the actual ad itself. So this is, this is raw footage we're talking about. My big takeaway from these ads is that making someone levitate on stage was apparently quite hard back in the 80s, and boy howdy, is it awkward and unconvincing. If your body is shaken like a rag doll by the forklift under your ass, or attached to your back, maybe don't bother with a levitation bit. It's in the Tony's performance that I'm going to talk about here in a second. They, they lift Merlin with a fucking forklift or something on his ass, and it's he's shaking like an idiot. He looks, it's awful. It, it's not convincing in the slightest. I know it's the 1980s, but again, if it's not in the least bit convincing, just cut it. There's already enough magic tricks in the damn show. Jesus Christ. Other highlights from these ads include Cheetah Rivera doing her best Eartha Kitt impression while petting a Panther. Merlin, starring Doug Henning and Cheetah Rivera as the queen. Nice kitty. And the delightful lisp of the second commercial's voiceover artist. I don't know if you're going to catch this, but I want to I play it. Let's play that too as well. Merlin, the magical musical at the Mark Hellinger Theater. Call Charger today at 944-9300. Order tickets now before they disappear. Thank you for playing that too as well, Benny. Too too as well. Well, uh, so in case you're not really picking up on it, I am just delighted by the fact that the narrator, the voiceover artist, says Merlin, the magical musical, the magical musical. <laughs> I love a lisp. Love it. And the 1983 Tony's performance. Okay, so this is introduced by Lena Horn, who is ta- she's tasked with introducing this cast, and she cannot be bothered to hide her irritation. I don't blame her. At a whopping five minutes and 40 seconds, this performance is endless. The featured song, It's About Magic, leans on its chorus like a crutch, and the tricks from Henning, which take far too long to set up, have no satisfying payoffs. He sits under a goddamn sheet for a full, I counted, 15 seconds before vanishing. That's too long a wait. Pick up the pace. At one point, he puts a pair of ducks in a box, makes them disappear, spends 10 seconds, I counted, breaking down the box. We've already shown that the ducks have disappeared. Then he just sort of takes the box apart and he he moves it to another part of the stage. And once he's done with that chore, that bit of stage business, then he raises his arms triumphantly and the audience applauds for no reason. You're raising your arms now after breaking down the duck box? I can't with this guy. He can't sing. This is Henning I'm talking about. He can't sing. He can't act. And whenever, oh boy, whenever the dancers have to interact with him, it's like they're guiding a creaky battleship into port. Can't deal with it. Speaking of the dancers... Oh boy, I can only hope their experience as magical creatures in Merlin prepared them for more consistent work in Cats. Watching these poor people bounce and bound about as psychedelic Lisa Frank beasties is... 
In education, I'll say that much. The lesson being, sometimes you train your entire life to be a professional dancer and wind up dry-humping a manticore on stage while Doug Henning trips into the orchestra pit. Oh, and uh, Christian Slater is in this performance for about 10 seconds. He makes a bowl of water vanish, a lot of shit vanishing in this fucking show, before being turned into Doug Henning, which is a fate I would wish on No Child. Now, let's talk about what we can talk about when it comes to the score. We can talk about this a little bit, a little tiny bit. There are a couple of audio clips from the original production that have been uploaded to YouTube. I think there are exactly two, but the dialogue and the music are drowned out by echoes and a general hiss. Not a pleasant experience, not worth talking about. Though I do appreciate the effort on the part of the YouTube user, I suppose. History is history, evidence is evidence, but as the listener, I'm not going to put you through listening to that. You would have to strain the entire time. Not going to put you through that. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Let's talk about the song It's About Magic, which you've already heard. You would have heard it at the top of the show. Not going to play that again. That, that chorus, it's about magic. It's about wonder. It's about abracadabra, Kalamazoo. <laughs> Don't you love to eat ass? Like, no. If you couldn't tell based on the ads and the Tony's performance, Merlin is highly dependent on the presumed appeal of this opening number. But you'd have to be a fairly undiscerning young child to be brought in by this treacle. It's hummable, sure, it's memorable, technically. You got me. Lock me up and throw away the key. But it ain't a good Broadway song. You know what it is? It's a middling theme song for an outdoor theme park arena show, which is what Merlin is at the end of the day. You hear that, Merlin? You burnt! Now let's talk about I Can Make It Happen, which of course is what Cheetah performed on the Merv Griffin show. So circling back to that, I gotta say that despite this being a truly weak sauce villain number, Cheetah still manages to bring a bit of fun and charm out of it. Yes, it feels like she's marking the dance steps, and yes, it would seem she's rolling her eyes at the lyrics, but it's Cheetah Rivera. Cheetah can offer stock guffaws and half-hearted high kicks all day, and you'll still feel, you'll still fail as if you've got your money's worth. So I'm not going to run her down. Have we played a clip from the song? Let's play a clip from the song here. I think of something special for Merlin. That should not be too hard for me. I'll surprise the young fool. Destroy the young fool. And I'll do it satanically. Whatever I want in this life, I will get. I can make it happen. I'm tougher than anyone else ever met. I can make it happen. Merlin's the key. I have to break him. This world is mine once I overtake him. Whatever I want out of life will be mine. I can make it happen. There isn't a star in the sky. I can't outshine. I can make it happen. Merlin must fall. I must see to it. If he finds love, well, that's bound to do it. Trim. My hands are trim, my head is heady, I'm more than ready, whatever is waiting up there, I will take, I can make it happen. <laughs> Thank 
you, Benny. I'm all over the map with these clips today. Thank you very much for helping me. Those lyrics. Oh, boy. Uh, you would have maybe heard it in the clip that we just played, but my favorite clunker from the song, lyric-wise, is as follows. I'll think of something special for Merlin. Yes, that should not be too hard for me. Uh, that's, I'm pretty sure that's how Cheetah delivers it. She's so bored that she turns the word me into a ham buffet. Yes, that should not be too hard for me. I'll surprise the young fool, destroy the young fool, and I'll do it satanically. What? Goodness gracious. If you're not able to watch this performance, just know Cheetah's wearing a headdress straight out of Big Trouble in Little China, and her cape winds up becoming her dance partner. Ooh, it's magical. That's right, we got a straight-up Doctor Strange cape prancing alongside Cheetah. The problem with I Can Make It Happen is it never allows Cheetah to go full vamp. The whole thing's a tease for villainous dramatics that are never delivered, which is a shame. I want the Evil Queen to be screeching to the heavens and bearing her claws, not cooing to elevator music, which this absolutely is. I think at one point the music just devolves to... Now, granted, when I think about it, for the purposes of the Merv Griffin show, they might have just had a, a keyboard player and a drummer. Clearly, they wouldn't have had the full orchestra, but it is still funny to me that it completely devolves to Broadway. It's not Broadway. That's music out of a box. No, thank you. Hilariously, this song ends by ripping off Rose's turn of all songs with Cheetah essentially doing that for me. She's ripping off Gypsy in some form or fashion. She's she's basically doing, she's saying, I'm going to do it for me, for me. But she only does it a couple of times before the whole enterprise putters to a halt. It's like everyone involved realized, oh, <laughs> right, we probably shouldn't signal how much a rehash this is. Uh, big finish, jazz hands, no questions. <laughs> Not to keep comparing Cheetah to Eartha Kitt, but you know what's a great lesser-known villain song? Snuff Out the Light from The Emperor's New Groove. It's not in the film proper. It's on the soundtrack only. That shit slaps. Let's listen to a bit of that instead, Benny. Love it. So here are the other songs from the show. Beyond My Wildest Dreams, Something More, The Elements, Fergus's Dilemma, which is, I believe, a number for Nathan Lane, Nobody Will Remember Him, Put a Little Magic in Your Life, He Who Knows the Way, I Can Make It Happen, Reprise, He Who Knows the Way, Reprise, We Haven't Fought a Battle in Years. Then we get a song, so they, they give Cheetah another number called Satan Rules. I want to hear this song so bad because that title is so bad. That's like the most generic metal album title I've ever heard. Satan Rules! Wow! Here, here! 
Wow! And then we close out the show with numbers bearing the title, Nobody Will Remember Him, and then we get a reprise of He Who Knows the Way. How many fucking... Jeez, we get two reprises of He Who Knows the Way? There's no way that song is that good. No way. Uh-uh. And that's all I can really say about the Merlin score, unfortunately. Uh, the, nothing else is available to me, so now I'm going to have to kick the ball over into the court of 5678 Coffee. Let's see her. Who is our sponsor? Bonds, bonks, bonks. Take two, Benny. We're doing this again. No edits. Leave this in. I want the people to know how much of a moron I am when it comes to some of these setups, these segues. I have to let the people know I'm a moron. So, take two. Well, that's all I can say about the Merlin score, so let's kick the ball over to the court of our latest 5678 spokesperson. Take it away, 5678. Excuse me, everybody, if I could just get your attention. I think y'all know me. My name is Molly. I am Jamie's sister. That's right, Jamie. I want everybody to raise their cups of five, six, seven, eight coffee. But before you taste that delicious mountain brew, I just want to say something about my brother Jamie, who's turning 2-1 today. That's right, we! Jamie, my brother, is turning two one today, and I could not be more proud of him. You know, we've been drinking this five, six, seven, eight coffee together ever since we were kids. That's right, Mama. I know you disapprove, but we used to sneak five, six, seven, eight coffee beans. We chew them. That's right. We grab them out of the bag and we chew them. But it's all right, Mama. It's all right because the man who ran the general store, who is now dead, whose name was, I believe, Mister Dead. Mister Dead would he would he would always wink at us. We were not being little thieves, but I just remember that we were we were growing up drinking this coffee together, and now you're going off into the big bad, big bad world, Jamie, and I just uh, it made me so sad, Jamie. It made me so sad. I cry into my coffee. Cry, cry, cry is what I do, Jamie. For you, do you understand? I love you so much, Jamie. Well, I remember we were sitting outside that general store just two weeks ago, two weeks before Mr. Dead died, and we were sipping that coffee on his front stoop of the general store and that man with the top hat, he came by and he said, look at you two so fancy. I've never seen a more beautiful young married couple in my life. And oh, how you laughed, Jamie. Oh, how you laughed. And you were so quick to correct that top hat man. You told him that we were not married, that I was your sister Molly. And I thought to myself, <laughs> yeah, that, Molly, you should laugh too. You should also think that this is silly and not something that you have been yearning for your entire life. And so, Jamie, I say to you, one day we will see each other again. I hope it is not too late in our lives. I want us to come together, Jamie. I want us to come together as family. That's right. All together now. Raise your five, six, seven, eight mugs. And I'll also make you this quilt. Mm-hmm. I should say this. Ooh, I, that coffee's hot. Uh, ooh, look at this quilt here, Jamie. It's got a big old cup of coffee on it. Because I love coffee so much. That's right. I love coffee. I love 5678. And I love you, Jamie. And I wish you so much luck with that little wife of yours. That little fiddling, stripping, stripe, henhouse, cat house, motherfucker. Uh, no, that's not... 
apologize. I got the devil on my tongue. It's hot. Not from the coffee, but from the sting of hell, I do say. But no, I wish you and your blushing bride all the happiness in the world is what I'll do, Jamie. Ah, let's raise our mugs one more time to Jamie and to family and to 5678 Coffee. You can count on it. Yum, yum, yum. I ain't unhappy, mama. Why are you looking at me like that? You make me so you make me want to slap you, mama. Final thoughts on quilters. Not. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you have to excuse me. I was just listening to our fine spokesperson for this week. I had quilters on the mind. Final thoughts on Merlin. A lot of people glibly dismiss the 1980s as the decade where Broadway began to rot from the inside out. Quality shows like Evita, Woman of the Year, Dreamgirls 9, La Cage aux Folles, Sunday in the Park with George, The Mystery of Edwin Drood, and Into the Woods would dispel this simple, easy characterization. But I can see why the burnt toast flavor of a show like Merlin would be hard to get out of your mouth. Like many of the titles on our docket, there are only a few scattered bits of evidence that prove Merlin even existed in the first place, and it would seem most theatergoers are fine with that, myself included. Let's not, let's not revive Merlin. I think that's fine. We should make that a priority. I will say I would love to have seen Cheetah and Nathan Lane. A young Nathan Lane, I would have loved to have seen him, you know, right at the beginning of his Broadway career. I'm sure they were both delightful. Now, in 1983, Cats was the winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical, and the other nominees that year were Blues in the Night and My One and Only. I've yet to explore Blues in the Night or My One and Only, so I can't attest to their virtues or failings. Therefore, I'm allowing Cats to keep its best musical medallion for now, meow meow. And I'll just say it again, I really hope the dancing manticores and unicorns, or whatever the fuck, wound up landing roles in Cats. Dancers gotta dance, no matter what. Even if it means being covered with fur and scaring the shit out of small children eight shows a week. When it comes to ranking the show, unfortunately, we are in this position again. Oh, my dear listeners, we have to put Merlin in the Phantom Zone right alongside Big Deal, James Joyce's The Dead, Quilters. I'm g- you know what? It's time for a little bit of a shakeup in our main rankings. I think that's true. I'm going to put Caroline or Change. We're going to move that from number three to number two. So our top three, are g- that, that's going to read a chorus line, Caroline or Change, and Guys and Dolls. I, I just feel like... Yeah, let's give it a bump. Carolina Change, I've had a lot of time to think about that, so let's give you a bump over Guys and Dolls. Why not? Hey, we're doing it. For this week's bit of show-related ephemera, I watched a segment of a Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous episode. If if anyone was alive during the 80s, I was only alive for five years of it. But Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous was a very obnoxious show, hosted by a very obnoxious man named Robin Leach. And he basically made you feel bad by showing you the wealth the lifestyles of people that you likely in the 1980s could have never achieved if you fucking bet your life on it. What a delightful piece of programming. So there's an entire segment on YouTube dedicated to Doug Henning and I just want to, you can watch the whole thing on YouTube of course, but I just want to give a couple of timestamps for when you do that. So let's say that you're sitting down with this video. What should you be looking out for? Well, at the 35 second mark, there is a scary as hell plush yeti just hanging out on a bed 
no big deal. Their house, him and his wife have this house, I'll just say in general, very childlike. It's unsettling. I don't, there's there's a lack of an adult sensibility. A bit of a, I mean, he worked with Michael Jackson, you know what I mean? And I'm getting a bit of a Neverland Ranch vibe from this house. His wife is an artist, so she's like, she's painting hot air balloons and shit all over the house, and we'll get more into, there's like dolls and stuff, and it's a little unsettling. So, at a minute and ten seconds, there is an appearance from the Wonder Whims, to which I say, nope, nope, nope! At a minute 20, there we see, oh, his wife, Debbie, of course. Debbie is drawing a Wonder Women a minute 20, to which I say, ack, ack, ack. These things, these fucking Wonder Whims, they are like a nudge away from appearing in a Puppet Master sequel. Puppet Master versus the Wonder Whims. Whoever wins, we lose. A minute 54, oh boy, so Henning in this moment is grinning like a maniac while working out for the camera, and it's really unnerving. I don't want to be mean, but this guy could use more natural charm. And then at 2 minutes and 30 seconds, the audience is brought into Henning's super secret magic workshop. We're told, oh, cameras have never been allowed into this magic workshop until now. It's fine. It's a fucking magic workshop. Calm down. It ain't Area 51. From the outside, this super secret workshop looks like a cross between a particularly depressing middle school and a particularly depressing bus depot. But during our visit, we get to see a tiger drink from a bottle, so it's not all bad. The tiger could use a bigger bottle, though. You can't afford a bigger bottle for the tiger, Doug? Get a big comical novelty bottle for the tiger. Comical novelty bottle. Comical novelty bottle. I would like to buy a comical novelty bottle. Not a bad warm-up. And then I've saved the best for last because it comes right at the end. Uh, Robin Leach says the phrase, (laughs) I'm going to say it just in a very neutral way, and then you're going to hear it proper. Benny's going to drop in the clip. But Robin Leach says, Abracadabra, Doug has all his cards on the table. Got it? Now let's hear the way Robin delivers this copy. Abracadabra, Doug has all his cards on the table. I cannot get enough of it. You're definitely going to hear that at the end of the episode after the outro music, so don't stop. The, I, I might play it twice. I might have Benny play it twice. <laughs> Abracadabra, Doug has all his cards on the table. Stop it. Stupid. The 80s were stupid. To determine which show we discuss next, we'll need to take a ride on the musical carousel, or as the voiceover artist from that second ad would say, the musical carousel. I, I don't mean to... <laughs> I don't know. I don't mean to mock people with lisps. I just, mm, I find them funny. They're charming. Magical musical. Merlin the magical musical. Uh, oh boy, I'm real, this might be problematic. I might be getting into a bit of hot water. I apologize again. I'm not going to keep uh, reiterating uh, that little moment. So, to determine which show we discuss next, we'll need to take a ride on the musical carousel, otherwise known as the random number generator I named after that classic Rogers and Hammerstein show, Dead Cowboys Don't Get Dessert. Everybody ready? Then away we go! Alrighty, well, we have stepped off of the musical carousel. We have stepped off. We're looking around. We're grabbing a newspaper. We're looking at a calendar. What's this? It's the year 1996. We're back in the season which gave rent 
the Tony Award for Best Musical. That must mean that we are talking about a nominee for Best Musical that was going up against Rent that year. Hmm, what could it be? Well, it ran for 1,135 performances, and the name of the show is Bring In De Noise, Bring In De Funk. Yes, that's right, we'll be talking about Bring In De Noise, Bring In De Funk next week. Okay, that's, that's the one that stomp. I was thinking of Stomp, because I just imagined people with trash can lids. That's all I can really think of. But I'll get an education. I'll be schooled on Bring Into Noise, Bring Into Funk next week. That can be assured. So, if you want to support the show, there are a number of ways you can do that. I felt a little punchy this week, a little all over the map. Rusty, shaking off my dandruff, shaking off my dust. If you want to support the show, you can do that in a number of ways. You can donate to the show by going to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod. You can donate one, three, five, or $10 a month. If you donate $1 a month, you will get a weekly verbal shout-out. Let's do that now. Thank you so much, Jordan, Ashley, Chris JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. If you donate $1 a month, you will also gain access to a special episode covering the 73rd Annual Tony Awards, as well as a special episode dedicated to the first trailer for the film, Cats. If you donate $3 a month, you get a musical shout-out in the style of a character or composer of your choosing. You make the call on that. $5 a month gets you, uh, you'll be able to decide determine, I should say, what show I discuss on the podcast. If you want me to jump to a specific show, you will have that ability if you pay me $5 a month, baby. You'll also get access to the first season of All I Ask of You, an advice show hosted by the Phantom of the Opera. And if you donate $10 a month, you will gain access to the Snug Club, a special series dedicated to Broadway shows, musicals that were never nominated for the Tony Award for Best musical. Our next subject is Allegiance. Just to let you know, Allegiance will be dropping on the final Wednesday of this month, August 2019. Donations go toward cast recordings, movie rentals, offsetting Podbean costs. And if we ever get to the point where we are bringing in $100 or more in total monthly donations, I will produce M3, the movie Musical Man, a monthly series for which I will watch trilogies of musicals that are tied together by a common theme. Give us a review, a five-star review via Apple Podcasts Podcasts, please. That would be delightful. I said you please. If we ever get to the point where we have 30 written five-star reviews, I will record that episode dedicated to the Descendants trilogy, the Disney Descendants franchise, baby. You can stream the show via musicalmanpod.podbean.com or Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter at musicalmanpod. We have a pinned tweet that will allow you to go to a Google Sheet. You can see our current rankings there, and you can track what shows are coming up, what shows we have covered. And you can email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. Send me your thoughts on magic. (laughs) That's the big theme for this week's questions. If you're going to email me, email me about magic. Have you ever been to a magic show? Are you a magician yourself, sir or madam? Anywhere in between the gender spectrum? Let me know about magic. Let me know about wonder. Let me know about razzmatazzma abracadabra. Let me know about eating ass. If the lyric eating ass was in the song... It would be so much better. Thank you to Benny, our producer and engineer, Alex Green for our beautiful logo, and Zach Little for our beautiful music. And that's the doorbell. Oh, there we go. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, you know what that means? You know what that sound means? <laughs> yes, just when the fun is starting comes the time for parting. Oh, well. We'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long, farewell, off and good night. <laughs> <laughs>